Welcome to Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet with Ryan Potterack from Potterack Capital Advisory. You have unique values, objectives, fears, life experiences, and biases. Any financial professional who ignores or minimizes the importance of your story may not be able to help you achieve your ideal outcomes or hit your goals. It's time to experience the PCA difference. In this podcast, we help business executives, soon-to-be retirees, and solutions-based individuals overcome the anxiety leading up to their upcoming years. We do this by initiating in-depth discussions about the financial aspects of retirement, like tax planning and asset allocation, alongside, and often overlooked, personal and lifestyle aspects. Join us for this journey where we explore retirement from a contrarian point of view, as Ryan draws from years of experience and qualified guest professionals to help you explore the true purpose of your money in retirement and the impact you want to make in your golden years. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and Potterack Capital Advisory are separate entities. This information is not intended to be a substitute for individualized legal or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor regarding your specific situation. For whatever reason, and there could be many, you've decided to interview potential new wealth managers. And yes, I said interview. This is an important decision on your part, so ask questions. Ryan Potterack and Alec Quaid have several suggested questions you should have on your list. And yes, bring a written list. It's okay. Ryan, what do you believe should be question number one? What brought you into the to the line of work that you're in? And then that would flow into extremely, probably the most important, although I would start it out more relationship be mm-hmm. with a question like that. Do you enjoy your work, that kind of stuff and uh, give the, give them the opportunity to communicate. And I think then that, that individual that is doing the interview will be able to get a sense of authenticity, uh, passion around their work, that sort of thing. And then getting into as important a question as any would be, how are you compensated? Tell me how, how you are paid. Are they pretty forthcoming with that? Uh, well, it, certainly in this situation, being interviewed, there's absolutely no reason not to be. I guess if they're if they are not very forthcoming, then that would be a red flag, and I would suggest to our listeners move on. Right. Uh, but I would say that related to that, and I think why you asked it is that there may be a little dancing around that. Um, and, and if, if the, if it is in pursuit of giving a detailed answer, that's one thing. If they're not clearly addressing the question, that's a, that's a completely different matter. And that would be the red flag. I love the way you start out with, why did you get into this business, this field? Is there background though, their educational background of, of importance, Alec? I think so. At the same time though, there's many great financial advisors who career change. And, and do a really good job. But certainly, you know, you look at Ryan and I specifically, Ryan's been in this business his entire adult life, as he says. I went to school for it. Um, they didn't have that back in Ryan's day, but now they have a, uh, a financial planning degree. So it was something that I knew I wanted to to, to be in for the long term and, and be in for a career. And that's that's important from a prospective client standpoint, because you don't want someone to you don't want to start working with someone who then moves on to something else who isn't fully committed to it for the long term. Yeah, and I do have a finance degree. So that's what they called, I guess, financial planning degrees, you know, 30 some odd years ago. But then Alec took it further 
with the uh, certified financial planner designation, which is quite an accomplishment in this industry. And then at, at the same time for our listeners, there is approximately 200 designations in the financial industry and not any of them have any regulatory impact. They're, they have, they give the uh, the interviewer an idea of maybe what the specialization is. There's certain designations around comprehensive financial planning, like with Alex, certified financial planner. Um, and then there's more uh, like an analyst designation, income designation. So th those designations can also be helpful in the interviewing. But I don't know if my finance degree from 1990 has any impact on how I serve clients today, but it was an interest from the jump to be in this industry, just as Alec had, the, had a similar motivation to be in the industry. Jumping back to the fee-based question, Ryan, if they are forthcoming and they do answer well or openly, can you then ask, why do you choose this particular way to be paid? Sure. I, mean, I, I think in, in interviewing, you should feel the license to ask whatever question you want if it's important to you, uh, as well as on the receiving end, a person could answer or not answer. I mean, that's I guess that's how I would view it. But uh, in the industry is still a large part of the financial industry is still done on a commission basis. So really, there's only there's only two forms of compensation when it comes when it surrounds investment uh, and advice. Yeah, a person's getting paid fees for their advice. And then so in other words, the, the income to a fee based advisor is completely disconnected from what particular investments are chosen for a client. That's mm -hmm. where there's no conflict of interest, where in a commission-based world, uh, there's an inherent conflict of interest because the person that is giving the advice, the commission-based advisor, their income is dependent on a transaction. So if your income is dependent on a transaction, then at least there is the framework about around which uh, I mean, you you have a strong motivation to sell a particular product, right? And and that's a that's a pretty big difference. Now, in the comprehensive work that Alec and I do, and 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 other firms do, there are certain areas of the overall financial industry. For example, sometimes in life insurance situations, the life insurance companies predominantly still distribute their products on a commission basis. So it's not an investment. But it's it's the form of distribution for some products that make sense for a client to get in this industry. But Alec and I, uh, on the security side, whether it be stocks, bonds, annuities, whatever, we're not compensated more or less for what we recommend or what is ultimately implemented uh, on the investment side. Patrice, I'll just add to that. I mean, I think our industry has done a great job of confusing consumers of uh, and, and made this conversation around how advisors get paid such a big deal. And it's not that it's not a big deal and, and a client should know how they're paying their advisor. And, and we believe in complete fee transparency. <clears throat> and we talk to our clients, tell them exactly how we're going to get paid. They only pay us fees. But you see a lot of, if I'm a consumer and I'm, and I'm going to an advisor's website or I'm interviewing an advisor, and one of their main pitches to me is how I get paid. To me, that's a total red flag. Hiring an advisor just because of how they get paid 
in our opinion, would not be uh, the way to go. You should hire an advisor based on the value that they're going to deliver and the service they're going to provide. So the fee conversation is important, but for us, it's it's just easy. You, you pay us a fee for our advice, for our services. You, you pay us quarterly. You can fire us as fast as you hire us. And and it's pretty straightforward. So that's we the can way we fire them as, well, that too. as well. <laughs> yes, yes. That too. I would say flowing from what Alec said as well is asking the advisor, what services do you provide? I mean, for, and you could even frame it as, so in my situation, 10 to 15 years from retirement with family and all that, you know, how many of those people do you work with? Mm-hmm. What services, uh, when, I, when I mean what services do you provide, so many people in our industry, and it's perfectly fine, but they just focus on the investments. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. However, if you're looking for an advisor that does what Alec and I do, which is comprehensive financial planning that gets into estate planning, tax mitigation, tax planning, risk management, really holistically seeking to be the chief financial officer uh, for our client's household, that's a very, very different matter. So when Alec talks about value, if these other services are of value to the person interviewing me, then it's helpful for them to know that. Uh, because at the outset, at the beginning of an interview, if somebody was going to interview five people in our industry, more or less, uh, we look the same, we talk the same until you get into that dialogue. Uh, but you would find, or the interviewer would find if they did several, and I would say that that's a great idea, by the way, is to interview three or more, is uh, it's similar to if we were doctors and and being interviewed, um, you know, if somebody says they're a doctor or a physician, it doesn't tell you what they do. Mm-hmm. I guess is a shorthand point I'm making. And that is equally true, possibly even more in our industry. Because it, it, matter of fact, the, the title of financial planner or financial advisor or wealth manager requires no specific education, no government authority or authorization whatsoever. It is just simply a chosen title and so you have a, a lot of people, well, not a lot, it doesn't, the number doesn't matter, but you have individuals saying they're a financial advisor that may only have an insurance license. Right. Uh, now, an insurance license is important. I don't mean to minimize that because life insurance is critically important for many of the families that we serve as well. But from a financial product sense, all they could offer uh, would be a fixed annuity, for example, and which is going to be commission-based. Nothing wrong with fixed annuities, um, but if if you're that individual in the, in this industry and all you have is a hammer, then everything looks like a nail. And so they could be, you know, so that's where, how are you paid? It would ferret that out, commission-based. What services do you provide? They wouldn't be able to go into portfolio management and some of these other areas that, that Alec and I cover with great expertise. Is there a benefit? in your opinion, to a smaller operation, a boutique operation versus someone with a big name? Alec, you want to take that first? Well, I certainly like our boutique operation. And I think there's a lot of benefit to our families that we serve that us on a personal level, you know, me being the newer guy, I'm still getting to know our families, but, you know, they know Ryan, Anna, Caitlin, uh, them personally, they're used to, speaking with them, comfortable speaking with them. 
So I think there's a lot of benefit from our client's standpoint that they have those relationships, yet we're backed by a very large institution, the RIA, Private Advisor Group, which Ryan just moved the firm to recently. So we have the small firm uh, set up personal relationships with a large backer or back office or whatever you want to call them for for different operational things that that we use. So to me, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Wouldn't you agree, Ryan? Yeah, too. And also Charles Schwab is our custodian, which is one of the largest. And, the, you know, the custodian's role is, you know, we have protections for our clients against identity theft, fraud and bad stuff happening uh, that, is, that is equal to any any big box shop. Um, you know, sometimes I'm accused of sounding like an attorney, but to your original question, it, it would depend just because if boutique is meaning small, you know, there's there's a lot of small firms that do great and 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 not so great and everywhere in between. I would I would have our listeners think of other industries as an example. So if they wanted to get a particular meal they were hungry for, whatever that is, there are chain operations out there, but but likely foodies like me and Don, my wife Don, we like the local place or you know a place that is is more personal and not just the big chains or going out for a nice meal. Same thing as far as shopping. If there's some of our listeners with shopping, sure you can go to the department store that's in all fifty states, but you might also have a favorite boutique. You walk in and they know your name. That sort of that sort of thing. So. In terms of customization, I think that uh, in a boutique firm like ours, uh, and it's certainly a part of our mission, be more specifically tailor strategies to each individual client, whereby two families, even if they're similar age or stage in life, their portfolios and strategies may be, may be different, maybe significantly different because they have a different worldview or a number of factors. You mentioned information security, too. With all the technology that is out there, I would want to know how safe my personal information is. Yeah, well, that's that's where the custodian first. Uh, so Charles Schwab, and it, it's a battle every day for all of these firms, whether they're in our industry or other industries. But I think probably everybody in our audience has heard of uh, Charles Schwab. Other custodians, um, just to give context around that, would be, you know, Fidelity, and then there's a lot of names, Pershing, Vanguard, uh, some of which our audience may have heard of or not. And that's really the, the custodian, Charles Schwab, in our case, that's their main role. And along with that, providing statements, tax reporting, that sort of thing. And then we really, I would say in some ways, outsource or latch on to the security measures of Charles Schwab, the, the protocols also with private advisor group as well. Uh, so when we are talking to clients about uploading their tax return uh, or any other sensitive document, we have a secure way of doing that. Double authentication, you know, even just logging on to Schwab every single day as I've got to, there's two different ways I have to authenticate that I am who I say I am. But it is a never ending battle, Patrice, for sure. The, the bad guys come up with new strategies and the good guys come up with new strategies to fight the bad guys' strategies. <laughs> true, true. How do you stay informed on innovations in the industry? Well, I like going, uh, you know, typically two to three 
conferences or, or get out of my office and talk to other advisors. And I've, I've always done that. Uh, last February, I went to the Orion conference in mm -hmm. Orlando for a couple of days. Orion is a huge player in, um, in our tech stack, basically. But at a conference like that, you have all kinds of vendors there, um, investment vehicle vendors, but also I talked to it's where I first met private advisor group and other RIAs. It's where we we met the wealth.com people. And, and so it's just the entire industry coming together and getting to have uh, conversations. And I've also been a part of some people would call them mastermind groups where myself and four or five other advisors get together for a day, day and a half and just share ideas, share share what's going on. We implemented Holista Plan, which is a tax, tax planning software this spring. We're super happy with it. But that was a colleague of mine, Brad Gatto, that was using that successfully. So the tax planning software that we had up until that point was, I thought, excellent. But Holista Plan is even is even better. So I think it's just getting outside of our bubble. I mean, that's how I would approach it. Alec, how would you, you've worked at other firms. You have to get outside your bubble because, yeah. And that's also the benefit of being with a, a firm like Private Advisory Group, being connected with advisors across the country, 700 advisors across the country. But yeah, I'd say everything you said, I would echo that. I think taking another angle on your question, Patrice, as far as innovations go, speaking specifically about technology, so important for the way we serve clients and the backend stuff that, that we implement, um, which clients maybe don't even realize, but stuff like Holista plan, wealth.com, other tools, tools that we're using in the background. Tax loss harvesting strategies and such. Yeah. Yes. In the, in the, the, the new innovations and in, in, in software specifically that are coming out, I'd say PCA is an early adopter of, of a lot of it and is ahead of the curve on on a lot of it. And we speak to lots of advisors in the industry and we tell them about the tools we're using. And a lot of times they haven't even heard of some of the tools we're using. And that's a credit to Ryan as the owner of the firm being willing to invest up front in best in class technology that helps us serve our clients. Not only is that a monetary investment, but it's a huge time and effort investment by our team. For sure. Because these softwares are very, very robust. And we have to know the ins and outs of them and how they work so that we can serve clients with accurate data and things like that. So um, that is something that is so critical. And there are lots of advisory firms who who won't invest in, in that side of the business, but we certainly have. And I think our clients have seen that, for example, again, Holista Plan with the tax planning work we're able to do makes us so much more efficient in that area, just as one example. I think mindset's a big part of it, Patrice, because we're, we're a virtual firm. Mm -hmm. So I think our every day is dependent on technology just to communicate as we are right now in, in, in various ways. And the mindset that I have is always as a lifelong learner. So always looking for the, the, the next best thing that can add a little bit more value to our clients uh, or or efficiencies for us to deliver that high quality work uh, in less time. 
And so that's, that will, that will never change. So I'm just always, I'm out there looking. My mindset as such is how can we be better? Uh, and this is my 33rd year in the industry and I still get excited about what we've got planned going forward. All right. I have one last question and then I'm going to open it up to you too. But my last one is what's so big about the word fiduciary? Well, that's a big, big buzzword that, Every article about financial advisors seems to include in some some capacity. It's really just acting in your client's best interest or having the legal obligation to act in your client's best interest. We are fiduciaries. We legally have to act in your best interest. But to me, <laughs> I'm a prospective client interviewing firms. That's table stakes. I mean, that that you, you why would you for the non gamblers? What exactly does table stakes mean? <laughs> you should That's just baseline right it's baseline yeah i mean it's it shouldn't even be a, a question if you're questioning if an advisor or wealth manager is going to work in your best interest probably not a good fit so yes we have the legal obligation to work in our client's best interest but i can speak for just ryan and i from a from a character and ethics standpoint we would do that anyways we want to do what's best for the client and going back to the beginning of the conversation, we have no incentive to do one strategy versus another because we're paid the same. So it's it's an it's an important question to ask and to understand. I do think it's a little bit of an overused buzzword in the industry. In, in some I, I would I would agree. And my, my critical thinking, Alec, I, is if I was operating in the best interest of my clients entirely, I'd do the same great quality work and not charge them anything. Right. You know, so to a point, you know, we have to understand that it's in any business in order to stay in business, we are for profit, but Alec hits on the key stuff is uh, if we get paid the same, you know, I, I always tie it back to, or oftentimes to a car dealership in this world, you actually had a car dealership that could offer every single car. And they made the exact same profit margin regardless, you probably would get different advice than currently today. You go to a car dealership, it might have three or four brands, and I won't pick on any brand, but let's say brand X. And uh, and you were to ask that uh, car salesman, well, how does brand X SUV compare to brand Y and Y is not on that lot? You probably would get a different answer. Then if that car salesman had access to brand X, brand Y, brand A, brand B, all, all you know, every, mm -hmm. everyone mm -hmm. out there. And, and that's where if somebody's operating on a commission basis, they, they are not a fiduciary. All right. Well, that was a good answer for both of you. <laughs> Is there any other question that you would ask a potential wealth manager that we haven't gone over? Well, I would, I, I would, uh, coach our listeners to trust their gut. I think some people and tend to be guys might say, well, I don't need to like the person. I just need to, da, 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 da. but no, you, you need to feel some rapport. You know, that's abstract, but it's important. Yeah. Just as if you were good, you, you move to a new community, you need to find a, a physician for you or your family. There's got to be some rapport. So as these questions are being posed, and Alec might have one or two others, of course, because when I'm questioning, it's usually the answers to some of the questions we've already posed that lead to other questions. But that should be a comfortable conversation. The, the advisor fielding the questions 
in whatever way that they do should not make the interviewer uncomfortable. It should be welcoming. Um, it should be expanding on the answers to answer some questions that maybe the interviewer in our audience doesn't think of. Because I know that there's no new questions in the world on this topic. Over 33 years, I, I've I've heard them all. So I'll tend to just answer the questions that they might not be able to think of. So I guess I would just say, Patrice, from a coaching standpoint, for people out there, they don't need to feel nervous uh, in any way to ask any question that they want and trust their gut. Mm -hmm. Alec, anything else? I would just add a great question to ask is, what's your process with clients coming Good on one. board? If an advisor hesitates to answer that or doesn't have a process, that could be a concern because there are lots of folks still in, in, in our industry that, you know, they'll just want to have a conversation with you, maybe a second conversation. And then, you know, they're kind of like, okay, you want to work together, move all your money over. Let's start working together. That's the opposite of how Ryan and I go about it. We have a lengthy, deliberate, very intentional process when onboarding a client to make sure it's both a good fit for the client and for us. Um, and, and, and really, we don't believe we can make solid recommendations until we fully understand not just the finances and the, the account values and all that stuff, but the person and the family and what's important to them, their goals and objectives. So we start there early on in our process with asking lots of qualitative questions. I don't think you're going to find that in many other financial advisory firms. And I frankly think sometimes it catches prospective clients off guard that we spend so much time. So we're not just talking the talk, we're, we're walking the walk by actually taking time to get to know people. So what's your process? That's a, a good one. That's definitely a good one. Uh, yeah, we we involve our support people as well. And more, you know, like a lot of things in life, the more time up front, think of it as dating, okay? Uh, love at first sight is basically what I had for Dawn right away. But, you know, we didn't get married the next day. Uh, so I think more time up front, making sure that it's a good fit. We can provide exceptional value. We can be fairly compensated for that exceptional value. Makes everything going forward, not just in weeks and months, but years a lot easier. And our tremendous support staff been with us for a while. Uh, so we're not having turnover. They interact with those families as much or more as Alec and I would uh, just from an operation standpoint. And so we bring them into the process before the, the family is a client to discuss what they do on behalf of the families as well. Uh, that was that was an excellent question, uh, Alec. All right, gentlemen, one more question then. How can people reach you? Well, they can always go to our website, www.potterack.net. That's P-O-T-E-R-A-C-K.net. They can call our office number at 704-366-5776. And then we're in social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter as well. Uh, of course, this this podcast keeps everybody informed, but we also, I write a blog at our website. We, we catalog uh, the blogs and the podcasts, and there's a lot of information. So again, that's www.potterack.net. That would be the first place I would suggest our listeners go, Patrice. All right. And all you listeners, remember to ask the questions until you get the answers you're comfortable with. And 
Life isn't lived on a spreadsheet. I'm Patrice Sikora, and I ask you to follow this podcast for the latest shows and, of course, share with others and like us. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. To ask questions about topics covered during the show or get a copy of Making It Count, Life Isn't Lived on a Spreadsheet by Ryan Potterack, visit www.potterack.net or give us a call at 704-366-5776. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Potterack Capital Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Potterack Capital Advisory does not offer legal or tax advice. Please consult the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstances. Nothing contained herein is to be considered a solicitation, research material, an investment recommendation, or advice of any kind. The information contained herein may contain information that is subject to change without notice. Any investments or strategies referenced herein do not take into account the investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific person. Product sustainability must be independently determined for each individual investor. Potterack Capital Advisory explicitly disclaims any responsibility for product suitability or suitability determinations related to individual investors.